0: hallelujah welcome again to this time of just enjoying the presence of the father and the Eagles nest I'm glad you're here today and I believe God that you're joining us today is not an accident And that at the end of this program, something new, something exciting, something definitive, something that will transform your destiny, would have commenced. The seed would have been sown in your life. We serve a God who is intentional. Doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't. He doesn't just speak because there's nothing else to do. He doesn't just act because he has nothing better to do. Everything he does, he says, is intentional. There's there's something he's trying to teach us. So today I want you to join me as we go again to a story that many of us know. The story of the fig tree that was cursed by Jesus Christ. (laughs) And this story is in Mark, uh, the book of Mark, chapter 11. I think we'll start from verse 12. Father, Father, let the entrance of your word bring light, bring life, bring strength, and give direction to us this day. In Jesus' name. Verse, 11, uh, verse 12 of Mark chapter 11 says, On the next day, when they, this is Jesus and his disciples, had left Bethany, he was hungry, this was Jesus, and seeing at a distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he would find anything on it. But he found nothing but leaves. And then the Bible says, For it was not the season of, for figs. And he said to it, no one will ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening to what he said. And then the Bible says he went into the temple, he drove the money changers out, people who were buying and selling and cheating in the house of God. He said he overturned their tables and he was so angry. With the desecration um, of the house of God. And as they were coming back after they left the temple, the Bible says in verse 20, in the morning as they were passing by, the disciples saw that the fig tree had withered away from the roots. <laughs> it, it 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 didn't start, you know, the leaves were started dying or turning yellow and falling up. Mm-mm-mm-mm. The Bible says that at that word that Jesus spoke, the tree started dying from the root. And it was instantly seen the following morning that this tree is dead. It's <laughs> God that we serve. So, Jesus, you said, your Bible clearly says that this was not the time for fix. And yet you went to this tree expecting to find food, something to eat. And when you didn't see it, you were angry and you cursed the tree and it died. Your life must speak of who you are. It is a dangerous thing to say you're a child of God and you're only that in mouth and not in truth. The tree said, "Look at me. Look at me. I have fruit. Come. Come and eat. I can satisfy you. I can I can quench your hunger. I can deal with it. Come, see me. I'm ready. Come, take from me." But when they came to take what the tree was supposedly offering, they found it barren. There was not one single fruit on it. There was nothing in the life of this tree to satisfy any man's hunger. There was nothing in that tree that could be a blessing to anybody. And so I ask you today, what does your life say? what is your is your is your life speaking when people not just hear you when people see you when people stand afar off and they watch you what do they see do they see life or do they see death do they see a child a son of god or do they see a pretender? Do they see someone who is saying, I belong to Jesus. And indeed, when they come to you and they sit with you and they do business with you, they interact with you, they eat with you, they share their burdens with you. Do they come away knowing that of the truth? This was a son or a daughter of God. Or do they leave bruised and hurt And cheated in business. And and swindled out of their money. What does your life say? What are you saying? By the the things that you do. by By the kind of businesses you run. By the kind of company that you keep. What are you saying? Is your life, the things you say with your mouth, is it consistent with what is on the inside of you? Or are you like the fig tree, proclaiming one thing, but when they come close to you, they are disappointed? Someone is upset, someone is afraid, someone is troubled, someone is in need. When they come to you, are you the first to speak compromise? Are you the first to tell them, shine your eyes up? Oh, everything is not Christianity Or are you the one that said to them, we can trust the word Of God, come, let me Agree with you, I will stand With you in prayer, until there be A change in your situation Do they Come to you as a Christian Expecting to hear Encouragement, expecting To hear, I don't know the word of God Expecting something, and then they Go away more burdens than they came to you. There are people in the Bible who had no apologies. They said who they were and they lived the life. A man called Pharaoh. Remember Pharaoh? The one that Moses went to and said to him, let my people go. God said, I should tell you to let my people go. Pharaoh did not mince words trying to find it. He did not mince words about who he was and what he represented and what he thought about this God of Moses. Pharaoh felt he was God. Nothing, no one, no one else was more powerful than him. And he said, I have no respect for this, your God. I will neither obey him nor let his people go. And then he went right back and did the exact opposite of what I mean, the exact thing that he knew would displease God further. He increased the burden on God's people just to show God that I defy you. I defy you. I I, I do not recognize you. I do not recognize your authority. I do not recognize your power. He never pretended about who he was. And God said, I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. And in the end, He passed judgment. And it was a most shameful, shameful judgment that he passed on Pharaoh. In fact, he said to Moses, he said, don't worry about this man. I have told you what to say to him, but I guarantee you that he will not hear what you have said. In fact, the Bible tells us that when God told Moses, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. He went back and hardened. The Bible said he hardened the voice, the the, the heart of Pharaoh. Such that Pharaoh would do the exact opposite of what God wanted. And he said, I did this so I can show forth my power. So I can disgrace you. I can show you that there is a God that rules in the affairs of of men. And that you are a mere man. And any day I want to crush you, I can do that. Jesus came. And from even his childhood, there was no doubt From the time he he began his earthly ministry, there was no, um, is he, isn't he? There was no doubt about where he stood, no doubt about who he was, and no doubt about what he came to do. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, the Bible says he went into the temple and the people just watched him. As the, the Bible says he got up and he walked up to the altar. And the Bible says he unscrolled, you know, he, he went to the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, which was, it was handed over to him. And it says he unscrolled it and found the place where it was written. Verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to announce, release, pardon or forgiveness to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set free those who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed by tragedy. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The day when salvation and the favor of God abound greatly. And then in verse 20, the Bible says, he rolled up the scroll stopping in the middle of the verse and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. He stated clearly, this is who I am. This is why I came. And this is what I'm, I'm, I am I'm going to achieve. And when we think about the life of Jesus, when we look about at, at what he did, what he achieved while he was on the earth, every single thing he said concerning himself, he did it. He lived it. He proclaimed it. And nobody could see a a gap between who he said he was and the life he was living. Because that was the purpose for which he came. You look at a woman. We call her the woman with the alabaster box of ointment. A woman who clearly said, I love Jesus. I will follow Jesus. I will serve him any which way I can. And I am not going to be intimidated by whatever anybody says. And we saw her. We saw what she did. Before that day, she was one of the disciples of Jesus. She, I mean, she, she was among the disciples. She was there. She was never mentioned. But when they talked about the women who followed Jesus, who ministered to his needs, this lady was there at the cross she was also there. Before he died this lady heard sensed that this was something a service she needed to render to Jesus and she was not when the time came to anoint him she was not ashamed she did not allow the culture of her days to stop her she walked usually when there's a public function Women are kept together at the back. The men sit in front with the celebrant. And that's how it is. In fact, in their culture, women never spoke publicly. But it was said, you know, that if you had any questions about anything, you'd wait till you get home to ask your, you know, your husband to explain to you. But the Bible says that this lady stood up from the back where women where, where women are kept, and boldly crossed the line, went over to where the men were, didn't say a word to anybody, went behind Jesus, stood behind Jesus, broke her oil. Some versions say she poured it on his head. Other versions said she, you know she poured it on his feet. But whether it was the head or the feet or the head and the feet. It really doesn't matter. She poured this oil and she began to worship this God publicly. Some you know, uh, um, um, writers say that this was a woman who was coming from. She, she, she was coming from a place where she had quite a bit of baggage. Some say she was a prostitute. some say whatever it was. But whatever it was she was coming from was enough for people to murmur. Oh, if, if he knew the kind of woman that was doing this, he would never allow her to come near him. But she was not ashamed to declare, the person you people are talking about is my past. This is my present. And I will declare my presence in the midst of the congregation of the people. Now, whether you understand me or not does not matter. But I will not hide who I am. And therefore, there was no there was no, um, again, gap between who she said she was and what she was doing and the life that she lived. Now, if someone were to look at you today, would they say that you looked more like Jesus or more like the fig tree It has become fashionable among Christians to just sort of, you know, sort of gloss through these things and cover everything with grace. You know you're doing wrong, but you say there's grace. You know that your life in the office does not match your life on Sunday in church. And your life on Sunday on the pulpit does not match your life at home with your wife and your children. There's so much hypocrisy being, you know, um, glossed over, uh, varnished with the gospel of grace. There is grace. God understands. Yes, there is grace. But the same God who's supposed to understand tells us that will we continue in sin so that grace may abound? We have become deceptive even while claiming to carry the presence of God, to be lights, to be sons of the Most High. We have become greedy, grasping, just like the people in the world, grabbing as much as we can, unwilling to release, and yet the same God that we say we serve says that it is in your giving that you will receive. Biblical receiving, I mean. Because you can also receive from the devil. It has become fashionable to come and everybody is, is pursuing breakthroughs and everybody's pursuing you know money and a symbol of your being right or a sign of your being right with God is that you have money is that you have cars is that you you can display wealth. That's a lie of the devil. That's a lie of the devil. Christian brothers do business, and they need a lawyer to, you know, sign. And a lot of times, they, end, they still end up in court because a Christian brother is cheating a sister, and the sister is cheating the brother. And you can't, you, you just can't take any Christian's word for it anymore. We have become fig trees, proclaiming to be what we are not. May God have mercy on us. Because it cannot be glossed over. We can lie to ourselves and say God has taken care of all my sins and he has. But not when you deliberately know his will, know his word, know what is expected of you and you decide, I will not do it. You're just like Pharaoh. You're no different from Pharaoh even though you're in the house of God. My brother and my sister There is a call from God for the true sons and daughters of God to stand and be counted. May the Lord help us. May the Lord strengthen us. May the Lord give us the courage to stand and to live the life that we profess to live. When he comes, into our private lives may it line up with the words that we say publicly or what people think of us publicly may the things that the life that we live line up with what we speak from the pulpit what we project from there may we not be men who just speak the word but we don't do it may God deliver us from hypocrisy and cause our lives to bring honor and glory to him in this year in the name of jesus god bless you god bless you amen